Hi folks, this is Alan, and it is Thursday the 16th of November 2006. Tonight I'm playing the second part of the Red Ice interview, interviewed by Henrik uh, Palmgren in Sweden, which was originally broadcast on the 22nd of October. I held it back at his request, really, because the... the um, they need people going into their site, um, subscribers for their, their keep the station going. So uh, I'm now releasing the second part of that interview. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Red Ice has asked me back on um, for maybe a, a few months at the end of each month, and one should be aired at the end of this month, a new one, a new show. Uh, so enjoy this. And uh, keep warm, because winter is certainly on its way. All the best, Alan. Can you hear the drums from Andor? I remember long ago another starry night like this. In the firelight from Andor. Blue Lodge of Freemasonry, for instance, yeah. 
that's on the bottom and there's other structurized ones above them and only the, the ones at the capstone that really know the whole agenda okay. very few get up to that point yeah. but they knew um, that they were going to that they'd already started an express train called um, the, the uh, industrial revolution but they also knew how long it was going to last and it's, it's almost like getting a big train started and as, as you're reaching maximum speed you start putting on the brakes yeah. to, for the next part you see and, and so they came out in the 1800s the late 1800s with uh, different authors and front people to push what we would now call the new age and Madame Blavatsky was the, one of the main ones a very theatrical woman and trained for theatrics uh, so she came out with all this stuff of mysticism about India, um, reincarnation, um, the coming new age, which really is based on Hinduism, and that the end of every great age, as they talk about, uh, a, a huge culling goes on at the end of it, and only those who are fit come through into the next stage. That's the important part. Uh, which they don't like to talk too much about. Uh -huh. So they see themselves as these uh, masters now then who, who are going to survive the uh, whatever it is that they either will be orchestrating or that will be occurring at the, at the end of their end time, so to speak. Right? Yes, you see, evolution itself is not a Darwinian teaching. It's a Hinduistic belief. And Darwin, who was a Freemason and who totally believed the Masonic doctrine, which again is this ancient Hinduism, simply put forward to the general public what the higher Masons had always been taught. And they do believe of, in this evolution of a superior species down through ages. And as the, as the next type has served its purpose, it dies off except for the ultra-fit. And this is where the whole term of Superman came from. Yeah. Uh, you had different authors writing about the coming Superman. Yeah. Uh, Adolf Hitler loved this idea, and um, he, he read Blavatsky's works. Yeah. Uh, he was in love with the idea of the, the Ubermensch, the, the Superman, you know, uh, that would come along. Um, and Blavatsky said that we shall couple human spirit with science to create the Superman and that's what they're talking about now and those who are unfit to go into this age will, will simply um, have to be killed off so do you think I mean I've been researching a lot about mythology and and, and stuff that has with with these uh, you know, ancient tales to do uh, that actually speaks of these you know kinds of events taking place in the past basically large cataclysms or whatever mm -hmm. uh, and and actually a few people you know kind of uh, uh, have remained either through interesting enough because you brought out uh, underground tunnels previously mm -hmm. uh, underground or you know uh, through some other means but but basically to to shorten the story uh, do you think that this is these mythologies and so forth is something that is created for our age, for our purpose, that 
would make us, you know, believe these things even more that they are natural, natural, or do you think that they actually have taken place? I, I think they've taken place. Um, whether it was man-caused or it was a natural event is is uh, up to the individual to decide. Yeah. Um, I don't believe in fatalism. I think that's part of the teaching in, in many religions for control purposes. If you truly believe nothing can be altered, then you've submitted to the agenda. Yeah. And they want people to think everything is, is already predestined. Uh, I don't think it's that way at all. I think we have the right individually and as people to, to choose where we wish to go yeah. in the future. Um, now, these, uh, there's no doubt about it that, that the writings of Tacitus, who was the historian for Nero, uh, when they went through Europe and into, into England, um, he did say that the Druids claimed uh, that they had recorded three previous times or ages, yeah. an age just being a period of measurable time. Um, where catastrophes had happened and uh, the, the high druids went into the mountains, inside mountains, to survive. Uh, flash fire followed by water. If we go into uh, the histories of the ancient Greeks, um, the whole story of Mount Olympus began really with Mount Parnassus. And Mount Parnassus is riddled with tunnels. They claimed they went in to, 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 to this uh, mountain to escape previous catastrophes. And these mountains were well stocked. Yeah. If we go to the, to the mythologies of uh, the Old Testament, which were a borrowed hodgepodge of different people's religions, you, you'll find that uh, Mount Ararat um, is also riddled with tunnels. And today is, they're guarded by the Turkish army, yeah. but, but they are there. Uh, we have similar things in the Andes. We also have the similar things in the Grampian Mountains in, in Scotland. Yeah. So, and in the Hindus the, of northern India, the Brahmins claim that they went for refuge inside the mountains um, on their northern borders and survived as well. Now, what's interesting too, is that if it, we were to take harp technology alone, mm -hmm. uh, harp was stopped. The initial experimentations with harp were stopped by its founder when he first came out with uh, the Tesla technology. Tesla, yeah. Because he said that this had the capability of superheating the atmosphere to such an extent it would explode oxygen would explode yeah. and he was afraid of a flash fire that would sweep around the world huh. now if that happened you'd have immediate melting of the poles you'd have immediate evaporation into the clouds and then deluge you'd have flood yeah so it could be caused by that technique which is interesting. Now, of course, in, in the esoteric, fire is male and female is water. Okay. And so they wrap all, all this stuff up into to other allegories as well. Exactly. But there's probably a truth behind this initially. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting because, again, I keep to returning, you know, to, to the idea that we go in these kinds of cycles or, or circuits circles basically and even if these things uh, happened 
I don't know if you should say naturally in the past. I mean, as you say, this could have been technology back then too. Mm-hmm. But we seem to entering in a stage now where, where as you say, that the technology uh, again then mm-hmm. is possible to to create these kinds of geologic geological upheavals and, and cataclysms. And yes. I have to ask you. I mean, do you think that they could? plan these kinds of things ahead, especially towards the year uh, 2012, which I guess you have you know, heard about. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they are. They're already doing it. I know they're doing it with the weather modification, yeah. because I've watched them build storms when they start spraying like crazy, and the next thing you know, the big winds come in. I tune in the shortwave. I can pick up the heart pulsing away, used in, in conjunction with it. And, and we have these tremendous freak storms we've never had before. So they are using this technology. Now, there's nothing in the revelations of uh, the New Testament that cannot be done through science. Hmm. Pestilence, famine, hmm. uh, disease, all that kind of stuff, earthquakes, that can all be done scientifically today. Huh. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah? Yeah, so um, what, what do you think... Uh, if, if I'm to ask you, you know, in, in the years ahead here, what, what, what would you, if you were to speculate, what do you think that we will, we will see, what kind of world will develop here? It will depend how uh, the transformation goes, mm-hmm. how they can, see, they've already uh, pretty well dissected society down, uh, and this was a, um, a necessity, even in teachings uh, in government circles, they would have to break down what was left of the family unit. And when that was done, then the individual would, would, would be directly responsible to the government and vice versa. Yeah. Um, they've been very successful with that, really. The, the next step is to see how well the individual adapts to the technology that's been given him. The computer was given for not for our, our happiness. It was given to us to make it easier to manipulate us, to get into a cashless society, to make it easier for a globalist system to track and trace everybody's spending, purchases, thoughts and ideas uh, for total information network. Um, and, and eventually to make us adapt so quickly, and that's going back to Plato, man is the most adaptable creature on the planet. Yeah. We adapt so quickly, we never stop and think, well, is there another motive behind this adaptation? Okay. And of course, now they're coming out with a little cell phone that's strapped to your ear. You look like one of the Borg on the, on, on the Star Wars, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. And, and they think that's neat, you see. Yeah. And, and it's all ready for the chip in the brain. Yeah. And they will advertise this is the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. <laughs> they will. They'll, they'll tell you that, my God, you don't need all this clumsy equipment. No, no. Uh, you can have a movie right in your head, and you'll think you're part of it. Yeah, so sometimes I, I can even imagine that they, in some sense, develop, you know, kind of clumsy technology, you know, with all the wires and crap, so people eventually will become <laughs> tired of it and, and basically demand. To exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that's why they have given you separate components to the computer yeah. and a separate printer. They could have done the whole thing in, a, in a, something the size of a, of a packet of cigarettes, you know. Yeah, exactly. Easily, yes, because we're, they just dish out this technology at a piece at a time. When, as I say, they had microcircuitry back in the 50s. Mm, yeah. 
so it's a con game to get us to go along with their agenda yeah. where we're living in a virtual reality okay. you see yeah yeah and of course we, we shall be controlled by central cray computers which can handle you know million i can hand one computer of a cray computer uh, i can can handle the population and all their data on a daily basis quite easily so i mean this of course sets up the the possibility that we are closing um, uh, into this basically a real scenario of, of the matrix and um, yes. the human soul become the, the ghost in the machine. Yes. <laughs> That's happened. See, most people today uh, are not thinking sentient beings. Uh, and, and neither were my parents either. Uh, this has been going on for a long time. Um, they've never been allowed to develop individually. Yeah. Uh, they've been trained to, from school onwards, to repeat after me. And you just repeat uh, everything you're told, and you get you get, you get your little square cap in graduation. You're, yeah. That means you're allowed, you're dumbed down and allowed into their system. So uh, people haven't really um, evolved personally. What they've done is follow the fads that have been put out there for them to follow. Yeah. And all they do then is repeat their download to everybody, uh, everyone around them. They're not original thinkers. Um, they've never been encouraged to be original thinkers. Yeah. And in fact, now it's frowned upon to be original thinker. You're looked upon with suspicion. Yeah. Because you might scare people. They, they have their safe paradigm. And they're terrified of, of a thought which makes them uncomfortable, which might make them have to decide upon something for themselves. Yeah. You see? Yeah. And that's part of the whole New Age movement, why it was introduced this way, is to create a uniformity. Now, it doesn't matter what school of meditation it's called. It's all coming from the same source at the top. So it has a, it's like ISIS, or ISIS in, in, in the ancient Middle East uh, was called um, the queen with a thousand faces. Uh, so no matter, no matter what you looked at for religion, it was the same religion under a different name. And ba Babylon too was the same. Babylon was the system. Now, some people would only see part of the system and never connect it all together. It was an entire structure all around you. So, so Babylon was a mystery because people couldn't fathom all of what it was. But it was the entire structural, economic, religious, bureaucratic uh, system. So do you think that, that you know, uh, as you mentioned there, regarding things like, you know, meditation and so forth, I mean, think that there are things in that practice that is uh, dangerous to, to the human. What I've seen in people, it doesn't give them more of an individual personality. Uh, what they, they come out of the repeating cliches. Uh, they repeat little slogans they've been taught. You can't have a conversation because they, they repeat slogans which they've been taught. They, they repeat it back to you. Yeah. They can't think for themselves. And they've all been brainwashed that it's all going to be wonderful and rosy and we'll all be one. Mm. And in a sense, I keep telling them, yeah, you'll all be one when you have a brain chip and you're all hooked into the same world computer. 
exactly. You know, it's not the oneness that I was thinking of. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, because uh, I think that that's, I mean, uh, to, to myself, uh, at least, I mean, an important difference there, because, of course, I recognize that we are, you know, all part of this experience together, and, and, and in a sense, that is, you know, as one, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that we should take away our individuality in that uh, realization. Yes. And we are individuals, and that's the joy of living. At one time, and it was the same in Sweden and other countries that I've gone through years ago when I used to be in the music industry, um, occasionally here and there you'd find a person living way out in the, in the sticks, way out in the boonies. Uh, and it was wonderful to hear a person's point of view on things when they sat solitary and, and did all their thinking for themselves. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience because in the mass market, the mass culture, you're getting the same stuff that comes from TV repeated through a billion mouths till it gets to you. And, and you, so you're only being conditioned to see things one way. It's the individual thinker uh, who, who, who sat themselves and, and, and they tell you what their view of life is. Uh, the, 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 you come away refreshed. Yeah. And they're trying to destroy individualism. And they have said that the enemy to their system is the individualistic person. <laughs> that is the enemy. You know, I, I just came, I, I saw this yesterday, and, and I don't know if you've heard about it, because it is about, um, what was it, they, they call it Project Project Red, it's a new thing, new fad, you know, by Bono and Oprah, basically. Uh -huh. They have uh, com gone together with a few different companies and, and basically uh, de developed uh, together with these companies different products that people should buy. Mm -hmm. And all of these have the color red, um, and I saw it on the website yesterday. They they have the you know the red manifesto and so forth, and this should then you know help to uh, end poverty and uh, you know, basically in Africa. I mean, and these are the kinds of things that I mean, on the surface, of course, it's it's, it's you know beautiful and and, and very you know um, heartwarming and so so forth, but but it just I, I can't. I can't process it. I mean, what, what's your what's your take on a thing like that? <clears throat> well, I've watched this, this for many years. How this technique is used now, Freemasonry itself uh, is hard to attack because they always have this outer uh, portico, as Albert Pike called it, um, of charity. It's hard to attack Mum's apple pie. You see? Yeah, yeah. But if you get into the middle of that pie, you generally find that there's something very rotten there. And uh, this is what you're finding here. Now, the, the, the system we live in is a debt system where uh, about 12 or 13 families have the right somehow magically to, to, to be the bankers of the world and to decide who owes what and etc. Um, and we take that as somehow normal, uh, like gravity. It's just there. Yeah. And, and yet, um, they live on the creation of debt and usury. And they, pump, they pumped billions of dollars into Africa over hundreds of years, yeah. probably trillions, and it never gets to where it's supposed to go. That never. And, and we know, if we read the, the writings of John Stuart Mill and his father, 
who were economists for the big British system, it was not intended to let the, the blacks of Africa live. They had, they had decided in the 1800s that they could not adapt to an economic system. Do you know why that is? Why, why, why is Africa such a intensely, you know, um, uh, you know, a continent that is uh, under this extreme pressure, so to speak? It's because. Um, even in the 1700s, if you read the economists of the 1700s, they had, um, we think that Adolf Hitler had, had a list of all the inferior types that would have to be rubbed out. Okay. And that's again tying in with Blavatsky's Hinduism. Same thing. Um, so Hitler wasn't the first. The, the economists of the 1700s and 1800s had this list too. And they had already studied what cultures would adapt to the Western, the new Western economic system, and which ones could not. And so they had a list made up of, of even H.G. Wells and his non-fiction works wrote the same list, that the blacks would have to be eliminated, the Red Indian of America would have to be eliminated. They even had the Irish down as being eliminated. Anyone who couldn't mimic the white man, that's what they said, uh, into this new system would be excess and would therefore have to be uh, eliminated. And we're simply seeing it underway as they pretend they're there to help them. Now, all the help that's went to Africa has totally destroyed their culture. They have none left. Now, they know, that in Darwin's own Hinduistic theory, um, a superior culture will always destroy that of the inferior. When you destroy the inferior, they turn to drugs, alcohol, everything to escape. They're in misery. When the foundation of all that made you who you were is drawn from underneath your feet, you collapse. Yeah. And that's what's happening to Africa. We know that when the World Health Organization went through there, they left the trail of AIDS in their wake with their free inoculations of smallpox vaccine. Yeah, and, and this was one of the campaigns uh, that this uh, project read or whatever it was called. Yes. To, you know, basically uh, help fund money um, so that people in Africa can have, uh, you know, the, the, the wonderful drugs. Yeah, and I've watched programs on it where they vomit them up because it's killing them too. And uh, it's, it's a disaster. It's, 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 this, is, this is the real holocaust of, of this new century. Yeah, exactly. And it's deliberate. It's been allowed to happen. It was planned centuries ago. And uh, the big banking boys, you see, you don't get up to meet the big bankers of the world or prime ministers without doors opening for you. And here's Bono asking the, the countries to forgive the debt, yeah. which they do every five years. Yeah. And they want Bono and his other people to come along and ask the And they appear to be so, so magnificent. Now, number one, why are countries acting like bankers and giving loans to these countries anyway? Exactly. And number two, uh, the debt isn't forgiven uh, because the citizenry of each country is put down as a guarantor. So when Canada writes off the debt or the U.S. or any other country, it's still paid off to those bankers by the guarantor instead of by the recipient. So it's an ongoing debt scam, you see. Yeah. And uh, 
Now, Harpo, Harpo is just Oprah backwards. Oh, you see, right. and, and Harpo comes from Harpocrates, uh, which is the Greek word f from the Egyptian of the, the symbol for secrecy. Uh -huh. It's one of the high parts of the esoteric groups. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's all there. I mean, I mean, this is again this this connects with um, with with the occult, and and I, I was going to ask you about you know things as um, Satanism and Luciferianism and things like that. I mean, how how does that connect with all all of this, according to you? It, it all does connect. Um, uh, when people are the functions which they do, it's, an, it's very interesting. It's like Al Du Huxley. Mm. <clears throat> Al is a play on backwards uh, La, which is the French. In France, was a big player in the creation of the languages, yeah. which is the feminine the, you see. And you'll find that coming up over and over through esoteric language. And um, Du comes from two. So, so the female is Du, Duad, she's the Duad of Freemasonry. And then you have uh, Huxley, a lay is, is, is part of a way or a path. And Hux comes from the old hex, which is to cast a spell. Yeah, yeah. So their names actually are what they do. <laughs> and their families do. And you'll find Huxley's um, uh, father before him was into the same thing. And he believed in eugenics, of course, eugenics for society. And then you go into Darwin, which is a play. An old English dar was to dare. And win can be also win, and it can also be pronounced with a V, which is the vine. And so uh, knights, high knights, nobility, they dare to win. Knights are bold, you see. This is all Masonic terminology which became their names. So again, we, ha we have a, a bunch of people who basically set up even their children to be part of this system, even yes. with their names going into it. Absolutely. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And, and one thing that, that I um, uh, was thinking about earlier was, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, the movie THX. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, that must be like a, a dream world <laughs> for the, I mean, it's a combination mm -hmm. between, uh, uh, as I said, basically, a brave new, um, mm -hmm. brave new world and um, 1984, basically, with 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 this technological and, and drug-induced uh, mm -hmm. population, basically. Yes, that, that, exactly. That that's the whole idea. Which was a um, that you could do anything with the society, which is reared from from babyhood uh, by the ruling elite the state the, the state itself and trained and the only knowledge it would have on anything would be that which was indoctrinated into it um, and then drugged throughout its life tested and monitored to make sure that they had no aberrant thoughts uh, so that was also a, a very telling movie yeah um, by George Lucas. Yes, so oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, so I mean, this, this began, um, this, this uh, last step, I guess, in this process began, uh, or, or I should say, did it began when they started to break up the family, you know, getting the kids 
into the schools and get, uh, getting both parents working, basically? Uh, definitely. I, I, um, at one time, the communists were blamed heavily in America for this. And sure enough, they had uh, one of their main uh, popular guys who was always in the media who coined the term, don't trust anyone over 30. And then it came down to 20. <laughs> and, and, and so the communists were certainly pushing it. But then when you looked at the capitalist side of it, they were doing the same thing. Yeah. Because um, people like Lord Bertrand Russell, a British lord, uh, who spearheaded a lot of this movement and his own book uh, Roads to Freedom uh, he's, he, he was given his own experimental schools to, to shape children that he was given and a lot of orphans into a specific way of thinking and actually limit the knowledge available to them so that if a particular world view that he would be the one he'd be like God to them giving them a world view yeah. all they would know is what they were told and he said, we, we, and he's talking on behalf of the elite, used to think we would have to take away all the children from their, their birth mothers at birth yeah. to create our perfect utopia. He says, but now we've found we can actually indoctrinate the child so well that if we can get them at the age of two, by scientific daily indoctrination, um, they can be given back to their parents every evening and whatever morals the, the, the parents try and contaminate their children with, and those are his, his words, um, will, will be of no avail. The scientific indoctrination will prevail. So they understood this perfectly. So here's the capitalist wanting to try to do the same thing. Yeah. And then we found the same thing as Plato talked about, because in his perfect utopia, in his book, The Republic, written 2,300 years ago, they were going to remove the children at birth and give them specific indoctrination. I guess, I mean, this is about disconnecting that thing, but now, as you say, they got, they got the technology, basically, to have still the parents care for the child and, and nurse it, so to speak, so they, they don't have to worry about that part, but they still will be, um, you know, um, answering to the government, basically. Yes. And even the early kibbutzis in Israel were interesting because there was a book written called Children of the Dream by a Jewish uh, sociologist. And he thought this was wonderful that they could actually um, bring up children who did not know who their parents were in the kibbutz. Uh, so so there's a co total co real communism as far as he was concerned. And the only thing is, though, it didn't last. It didn't last because the mothers eventually, their instincts overcame it and they wanted to be with their own children. Yeah. But for a while it was sort of kind of successful. And so the ideology of the group was trained into the children and they were, well, that's exactly what Hitler wanted to do eventually with his spe special breeding camps. Yeah. It's the same story over and over regardless of what side you think you're looking at. Yeah. It's yeah. all the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and let's talk a little bit more about uh, the young people, the, the children, because, uh, you know, some of the me methods that they use, I mean, uh, things like, uh, you know, mu music and, and fashion and so forth, I mean, yeah. I think that the, all of this connects, you know, with uh, mm -hmm. um, mind control, basically, and, and suggestions that, 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 I mean, what is it that, that makes young people, you know, fall into these patterns so 
so easily and basically want this kind of thing. It's, it's the, the complete um, study of human nature and the milestones that we go through from birth to death, every category, every age group, is perfectly understood. And teenagers who are going through an awkward phase to begin with, because they don't know who they are, yeah. you're questioning everything. You, you, young boys wonder if they're actually walking all right, um, am I ungainly, uh, all that type of thing. Um, so you're, you're insecure, and so you want to belong. To, to be accepted by others must mean that you're okay. Yeah, yeah. And so those in charge of culture creation, and believe you me, culture is always created by the ones at the top. Yeah. And okay, nothing comes from the grassroots. Although they, they pretend it does. Even rap music did not come from the, the, in a ghetto in, in, in the States. Yeah. Uh, it came from the ones at the top. <clears throat> uh, it's all given and, and it's, it's marketed to the children. And each generation thinks the one that they're given is actually theirs. And they never stop to ask why. You see, if, if the human brain hasn't changed, and at least just must be minimalistic and say thousands of years, if Beethoven or Mozart or Chopin or, or any of the, the big composers were popular and really altered the cultures in their day for teenagers, yeah, yeah. technically uh, that should hold true today as well. But you'll find the conditioning is so well put across that the teenagers won't even look at the music of their parents. And we never ask, well, why is that? If the human brain truly appreciates music, it should like all the music that was ever enjoyed by any generation of teenagers. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it's not. It's because they're taught that they are special. Each one is taught they are special. And the music that's piped into them up to the age of about 24 will stay with them until they're old. And... Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a method of, of creating a part of the culture for that generation that they think just happens spontaneously, but in fact is scientifically induced and promoted to them. Amazing. Huh? This, um, you know, is this Tavistock and things like this? That's right. Big players in it, yeah. Can you, can you tell us uh, something about the background of, of Tavistock? Yeah, Tavistock was at one point a mental hospital in London, England. And it was the first one to get government funding to go into to, uh, psychological experimentation which could be marketed or used on mass populations. In World War One, uh, in World War One, whole villages and towns were getting sent off uh, to fight and and get killed by the thousands in 15 minutes at a time um, as they walked into machine gun fire. Uh, and they, they, eventually, they were running out of men to join up. So they said, well, "How can we get young men to want to join up?" And so they started to, to promote a drama over the BBC radio. And, and that's why the BBC radio was first put into existence. Right away, it was for propaganda purposes. And they would give you a series. They found that the serial that you, you tune into daily to, to find out what happens and always leaves you with a cliffhanger at the end of each show. 
to make sure you tune into Fond, they found that they had a tremendous influence on the listening public. And Tavistock sent agents out across Britain to collect this data and, and even into bars and places to find out if the conversations of, of the play, the exciting play, was being discussed, and they found it was. <laughs> so right away, see, that in itself is behavior modification. Yeah. If you can start parting the next day what you heard on radio or on television, you are being modified. You, you are adapting behavior to suit what you've been given. Well, they found out that in one of the plays, it was called uh, uh, The White Feather, uh, that um, there's a drama about girls who, who who gave up their boyfriends if they didn't go off and fight. They'd wear a white feather in their hat. Well, the next thing you knew, sure enough, the women who'd heard this drama started to do that in, pub, in real life. And, and their boyfriends either joined the army or their girlfriend would give them the brush off. So they could modify behavior through, through fiction. Mm. And, and, and Tavistock was heavily funded from then on mm. and used heavily from then on. In fact, they were the leaders of the world with the brain implants back in the, the early 50s. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I, think I wrote uh, read an article about, uh, I think it was Henry Mankow who wrote it uh, regarding Tavistock using uh, Basically, busloads, you know, screaming teenage girls at some of the, 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 the first Beatles concerts, to, you know, to create the, the hype that, that later was to follow. That's right. They did. Yeah, they, they, they knew exactly how to create drama hysteria yeah. and, and to get the, the, the... In fact, they first tried it out with Frank Sinatra. Oh, really? Yeah. They, they, they brought in uh, hundreds and hundreds of girls to this concert to a very young Frank Sinatra. And they, got, they, they paid them to throw their panties at the stage when he was singing. And they did. The rest of them started doing the same. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so group psychology is well tested, you see. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, and this brings, you know, it reminds me of, you know, things like uh, Edward Bernays used to do uh, back in New York making, I don't know if you heard about uh-huh. this, but he basically made it acceptable for women to smoke. Smoke and drink, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that story is amazing. How uh, was it? A few models he hired mm-hmm. to go down, um, was it Madison Avenue? Yeah. Um, with uh, you know, sm- smokes, uh, smoking cigarettes, and then calling it was it freedom, torches of freedom, or something. That's like that. right. And, uh, and in other words, they can market anything to us. Yeah. And, and that is what Bertrand Russell said in his own book, The Impact of Science on Society. Mm-hmm. Well worth a read. In the 1950s, he said, we shall have to employ the big marketing organizations which are specialists in behavior modification. Mm-hmm. And and that's where the big agencies came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, ob- obviously here, um, we've gone through a lot of information here. But, but, I mean, when we all get down to it, I, I got two questions here, but let's start with the first one. I mean, do you know, have any idea, then, who, who is at the top of the of the pyramid, so to speak? Well, what we're at the top is definitely someone that's not in the public limelight. Mm-hmm. And I've no doubt um, the name probably wouldn't mean anything to the public either, because in their own structure, the man who does no work is called the lazy boy. 
Uh, he, those who have made it into the guardian class are the lazy boys. Anyone who works in any capacity is still a worker. Yeah. And so the, the Rockefellers, even the Rothschilds and those people are still basically high-level workers. They know more of the agenda, but they're not the bosses. So the real families are, are behind the scenes. One day they, they have promised themselves to emerge. And uh, Blavatsky talked about that, that the hidden masters, as she called them, uh, when all was safe for them to appear, they would come forth and show themselves to the public. Now, the only way I can see them coming forth and showing themselves to the public is if it was so safe that we were all brain chipped that nothing could possibly happen to these new hidden masters. Uh, that's what I fear, yeah. Uh-huh. You, I mean, uh, saying um, UFOs and fake, you know, alien invasions and things like this. I mean, is there a possibility that these people could could pose as, you know, the the, uh, the gods of the ancient world, basically, or aliens? They could easily, easily spin something like that, because religion. When you create new religion, it must always go with, and you do notice this, it always goes with the, what's given to the public as the latest science of its day. That's the only way it can make sense uh, when it's given over, is if it relates to the science you're taught of your day. And we find that that happens now. Um, why is it the UFO business just became a fad? Uh, when science fiction and flight and secret projects to do with various aircraft were already being tested. Why didn't it become a fad in the 1800s or the 1700s? Yeah. It only became a fad because it was promoted from the top, you see. Yeah, yeah. And and they they always give you a, a religion which uh, can, can is wonderful. It's very intriguing, mm. but but they'll never give you the truth. Mm. Uh, so uh, you know, I I think um, we're living in an age when science itself is so far advanced as to what can be done, as opposed to what the public are told. Yeah. Uh, when they can beam thoughts into your head that even when you have an experience personally mm. you have to question it was this induced scientifically yeah. we know that the same equipment that was used uh, that Bigage showed on television to put thoughts into your head were being used by the CIA and MI6 in the transcendental med meditation schools that sprung up in the 60s Oh. And people were getting their, their religious experiences. Mm. Did hear God talking to them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so is there any way you um, think that we as uh, humans now can, you know, still access, you know, information and, and, and being able to, you know, basically trust our own feelings about certain things? Um, yeah, I'm talking about here, you know, basically kind of accessing, you know, your 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 own, uh, you know, sense of truth within yourself or yeah. I mean, something that you feel in your heart or so forth. I mean, is this still a possibility? It's a possibility. I've not, I know that. Um, it can be done. I don't know if it can be done for everybody. I think that to get to a certain stage that you break through, the, the, the key is not simply understanding what's happening around you. The key is also examining yourself. 
yeah. uh, self-reflection uh, to find out what kind of person you are. Because if we can see what's bad in the world, how would you change it in a different society? You have to reflect upon yourself and and look upon all the things you've done yourself that, that you didn't even know at times. Yeah. We, we can influence so many people, so many people, on a daily basis, uh, if we're in a bad mood and we're in a hurry going off to work or something or we're short with somebody yeah. and, and it's forgotten so quickly, but it's not for that person. Um, that might be the final clincher before they commit suicide, for all you know. Uh, we, we are, we, we do affect people. And, and we, you know, I think in a spiritual sense, a true spiritual sense, uh, which has no formula or dogma. Um, I, I know personally that, that there are areas you, you get into that, that you're taken to, you might say, um, which are beyond, beyond all of this, which is here right now. Yeah. And, and it's that which brings knowledge with it and understanding with it, but really it's based on self-reflection. The New Age movement encourages them all to be one, be happy, don't look at the negative, which is exactly what the elite want. Uh, when the world is getting ready to pull the floor from under your feet, they don't want you looking at it. Exactly. And so they're training them to, to be egocentric, chase after for that which makes you happy, and ignore the bad. Um, if you ignore the bad, it's at your own peril. Um, but yeah, there, there is definitely a chance um, that this could be offset by a few people who have the knowledge and who have some means of getting it out to the public and who do, who do not want to be set up as some kind of guru um, who, who brings shamans in or, or, or goes up to Mount Shasta or, or whoever's trendy um, but simply speaks the truth from the heart yeah. uh, and, and lays it out there. Now, the world might change for you individually um, which might in some cases be more important than all the rest. As you change yourself individually, the, the world can change with you. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's that, that's a whole topic. Yeah. Uh, it's a deep philosophy, which would take a long time to explain. Yeah. But uh, there are things which happen on, a, on a, an individual or to an individual as they go on this, this, uh, this journey, especially when you can get over the anger. Uh, because tremendous, as you go through the journey, when you understand the evil that, that's controlling this, the inhumanity of it all, uh, there's definitely an anger phase that many people get stuck in. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, because I can see it in a certain way. I mean, because the co conspiracies and so forth have, in some sense, become, you know, popularized, and and all I see basically in, in that area is that. Uh, it is exposed uh, in, in a sense that it makes people, you, you know, more and more angry. They see all the corruption on the TV, and mm -hmm. but, but there is never any kind of psychological um, uh, handling of these things or any kind of solution to them. Mm -hmm. And yet the solution, as I say, um, is to alter yourself. Yeah. Because we are composites of our own indoctrination. Yeah. And we have to break free of all that to find out who we are, and we've got to find out what power resides within us. Mm. 
and and finding that is truly empowering. Yeah, it, it truly is. That that's what's empowering. Your mind really expands. Your, your your personality alters. You find who you are. Yeah, and uh, you're broken free. When you can break free above the, the matrix, even in the bottom level, level one, I call it, and get uh, up near the ceiling of level one, you've done really well. Yeah, but you have to break through the next level and the word level and the coding level and, and go higher. So this is, according to you, uh, um, a process that, that highly is uh, connected with your awareness, not only of your surrounding, but also then of, of yourself, basically. Yes, and I don't advocate drugs, you know. No, no. Uh, I've noticed that, that, see, whenever in history we're guided by the big gurus that are sent out by the big boys, who are heavily financed, and they always take you down the same road of, of um, a form of what they claim is spirituality coupled with experiences to do with drugs. Mm. And, and that is self-defeating. Uh, that's not enlightening at all. You know? mm. uh, why would the big boys always push the same format like Aleister Crowley? Mm. Aleister Crowley set off uh, part of the big age, New Age movement he has now admitted he did work for MI5 yeah. as an agent. Yeah. And here he is sent into the world uh, a high free Freemason to set up an esoteric group um, and to lead youngsters into this, this new channeling, um, drug-taking type of experience. Uh, that was, he was sent out with the blessings of the British Crown to do that. So whenever I see the same thing happening again and any other big, highly promoted people doing that, I, I see the same formula there. Yeah, yeah. And you have to draw back, you know? Yeah. Because we're, see, Albert Pike said we always give the public their leaders. Yeah. That's why the public never win. They, yeah, they, they got the strategy down. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. And, and so, again, that's ancient strategy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And why, why change something that is working perfectly? Exactly. <laughs> so so that, that's the thing, you see. So whenever you see something that walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, you, you don't have to have someone else tell you, yeah, it's a duck. <laughs> if the ammo is the same, it's the same people behind them. And... Uh, I've watched people throughout many, many years uh, delve into the drugs and all this nonsense with South America. Alistair Crowley was the first one to push the going down to the to, the, to South America and taking the drugs of the shamans. Um, and he, as I say, he was he was funded by the British Secret Service you know, to do so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, truth doesn't come with a with a uh, a muddled mind. And drugs certainly do that. I agree, I agree. Uh -huh. so, so step one here, we've got about, uh, you know, two, two minutes or so left here, but uh -huh. I mean, step one basically, of course, is to wake up people uh, yes. to these facts and so forth. Uh, and do, I mean, that, that's what we're doing now and what we're trying to do because, I mean, you're out there and screaming at the top of your lungs, basically. Yeah. And, um, I mean, do you think that we will um, make it? <laughs> we can make it very simply and easily. 
I, I, I've been on a few shows, and I always know when there's Masons involved because they, they, they shy away from this uh, part of the solution. And I tell them, look, right down to your local level, uh, on, your, on your local council, your town council board, to your police and your lo- local level, to to everybody who matters in your area for decision making, that you elect into power, right up to the federal level. I said, you're giving people power to make laws which they can put on over you which will affect you. Why would you do that if you, if, if you do not know what secret societies or societies with secrets, as they call it, uh, they belong to? And they have sworn allegiance to, and they have sworn to obey. Yeah, yeah. And yet, all across the, what, the country, doesn't matter what little town you go into, there's a Masonic Lodge. Yeah. And everybody who is anybody for decision-making in that area belongs to it. And they have all sworn to obey their own superiors mm. up to the Grand Lodge. So, so this, is why, this is why everything is happening worldwide at the same time. That's why all of the United Nations uh, agreements, right down to even building codes, which will eventually put you off your land because you can't keep up with them. Um, it's been pushed forward by Freemasons and women who are in the Eastern Star and a myriad of other branches of the same thing. And so to give people power to make laws over us, we better start demanding to know what organizations they have given allegiance to already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. And that would be one heck of a big start. <laughs> I totally agree, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, let's make that our agenda here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because we have to do it, and we, we have to, you know, mm-hmm. at least inform people so that, that they are aware enough to make their own conclusions of what they are a part of. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, so yeah. I, I want to thank you, I mean, so much for this interview. It has been great, and, and too, in this in this subscriber interview, uh, give us your details to your website so people can, you know, get, get in contact with you and support you and so forth. Yeah, you can check out uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com and I have some DVDs uh, and uh, old talks on ancient religions for sale. Um, Check them all out. Download all the free ones that are there for yourselves. And uh, I hope to hear from you soon. Great. Yeah, and uh, Alan, I hope we can do this again sometime in the future because it has been great. Sure we can, yeah. Okay, thank you very much for coming on, Alan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, there we go. Awesome. That was yeah. a, a wonderful interview. Thank you, Alan, very much. That's a pleasure. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, we, we're going to add, you know, as you know, the, the intro and outro and so forth after after the show. We have record, recorded it now, and um, we will send you, you know, the links and so forth so you can, uh, uh-huh. you know, give it to people who want to listen to it. It's sure. Great, great. So we'll, we'll drop your mail soon. I think that this, if I remember correctly, this show will air also on bbsradio.com on uh, the, the first part, I should say, on uh, next Sunday, not this coming Sunday, but the next. Oh, okay. So, but we'll send you uh, an email with, with all the information, okay? That would be helpful, yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you very much again, Alan, and we'll talk soon. Sure enough. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. Chiquitita te